Welcome, traveler. You have entered the realm of adventure. Prepare yourself for tales from beyond the dice. Welcome back, friends and friends and adventurers and friends. Now, this is the part where I'd usually do the whole beyond the dice is a blah 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 blah. But instead, you know what? We're going to play Dungeons and Dragons. It's in 5th edition. It's in a custom setting, a cyberpunk setting called New Etica. I'm your Dungeon Master Luke and your players are... Ben, I play Cortain, human fighter for justice. Is that all you're doing? Alright. Well... What's well, not good enough? Yeah. This is a crisp, crisp type intro yep anyway tonight i am playing spigston denser he's the family man that everybody loves and the best mechanic in the dark havens also your name's peter yeah. oh yeah by the way i'm peter i don't know if you've forgotten <laughs> it's been a while it's been a while is, is that yeah. all you got peter was that your intro <laughs> i am um, i'm trav and i play slightly less little because i feel like he's grown up a little bit little moss no it hasn't changed I'm Levi, and Crux hasn't released my character. I'm still, he's stuck in the void, so you might find that out later. But yeah, Levi. Okay, so this is uh, what we would probably call season three, because Tree Reach was, it was supposed to be a miniseries, but I thought it was too good to be left as just a miniseries, so we pushed it to being season two, because it was great and wonderful and fun and great, and thanks, Peter. No, you're um, welcome. So it was awesome. What happened previously? I'll recount it for everyone here. No need to roll, guys. Put your d20s down. Put it down. No, oh, I got one that's rigged. Oh, I thought ben, ben was going to go for four in a row. <laughs> All right. No, don't do it. Save that roll because you'll probably get a twenty, and then the next roll you'll get as Cortain will be a one, and then we'll all laugh. My one. <laughs> After coming together as a Merc squad, the party takes on their first mission to protect a van and escort it, but along the way they fight some goblins in a gang led by a bugbear. They unfortunately break protocol, open the van and find the banshee inside, and she punishes them for it. The party deliver the bugbear who tried to stop them, and deliver him to those who hired the mercs. Spigs hears that his son has been detained for some petty crimes, and he leads the party to the security center and causes a ruckus, getting himself tased. We meet some of the Order of the Aegis, a crime-fighting organization in Darkhaven that Cortain is aligned with. Little Moss, Spigs, and Gage meet up at Terry's Diner, where they fight some goons of the Edict of Aya, a new criminal syndicate. Cortain arrives late, and the party meets Mecha Bugbear as he takes on those in the diner, burning it to the ground. The party is knocked unconscious. Gage wakes up in the hospital, where two detectives try to pin the deaths and the explosion at Terry's diner on him. But he quickly proves his innocence as well as gathering information on those people who attacked them. The party takes on a mission to bug a local club. They case the place and later break into the Knights Club which, unknown to them, is a business run by the Edict of Aya. During the heist, Cortain acts as an influencer, jumps up on the stage, causing a scene as a distraction. After the heist, Spigs is identified by some gangsters who pass on the information to the Edict. The Edict break into his shop and kidnap his wife, Glist. The party speeds after them, finding themselves at an old abandoned bowling alley. 
they fight some goons and make their way inside, where they meet a high-ranking member of the Edict, Turbo. He escapes with Glist. The party meets with the Edict and are told to retrieve the various things they stole from the Knight's Club in exchange for Glist's life. The Order of the Aegis are attacked and almost completely wiped out. The party investigated and tracked down the items they stole. They ended up in the Dark Haven Library. And this is where they met Lorien the Gnome and Dune the Goliath. Lorien shares with Spigs the fact that his family were once keepers of lore. The party share with Lorien that they need the keys that he has to save Spig's wife. So Lorien puts a spell on the keys so that he is able to track them from a long distance. The party hand in the keys and the various items that they had stolen to the Edict and they save Glist. The party takes on another mission to steal particularly exotic cars from an underground fighting ring and they succeed but they are chased by the Displacer, a masked vigilante. Little Moss sends the party away to finish the mission. He decides to take on the Displacer himself, but gets his butt whooped. The remnants of the Aegis are attacked, and the party rush to save them. They meet Mecha Bugbear once again, this time facing him with blade, spell, and bullets. Luckily, Mecha Bugbear is destroyed, but Cortain loses his hand. They receive a call from Thundergunk, he's in trouble, so they head to the bookies where he last was. They find Thundergunk, Brax from the Edict of Aya, and some others being held hostage by a rival gang. They save them, destroying the gang, and Cortain injures Gage as Gage steps in the way, blocking Cortain's attack on Brax from the Edict of Aya. Brax rushes Gage to Exocorp to get healed. On the way, Gage has some weird flashbacks and arcane convulsions. He decides to stay in the hospital to heal. Not long after, Lorien calls, telling the party that the keys are on the move. The party follow them and chase the Edict of Aya down the highway where Turbo is dispatched. The party battle Edict mechs out the front of Ultradye Incorporated Tower. They make their way up to the top of the building, chasing the Banshee as she has the keys. As they enter a huge room, holding a mutated giant creature that is being contained by Ultradye Incorporated, the Banshee fires an explosive arrow, releasing the beast. Cortain kills the Banshee, collects the keys, and the party focus on the huge beast. During the battle, the building is damaged and the creature falls out of the side, falling to the ground. Little Moss and Spigs jump into a rescue hovercopter as Cortain flies to the ground with his rocket boots. The top of Ultra Die Incorporated crashes to the city below. The Displacer watches this calamity in the distance. fifties. Thin, medium height, wearing a perfectly tailored charcoal suit, black shirt, and a blood red tie. A silver tie pin with a glowing white cursive letter K is the only adorning accessory on his person. His white receding hair comes to a sharp point at the front. It's combed back 
with a slight wave and tucked behind his ears. He's standing behind a matte black table. And resting on that table is an orange file holding the papers. An empty glass and a glass pitcher filled with water sit to his right. This dark room he is in is lit only by red lights. And in front of him, beyond the table, rests a slightly curved matte black panel stretching across the width of the room. Nine people sit behind this panel. He cannot see their faces as the red glow from the lights cast them with only enough vision to see their most basic features. These people are very, very powerful and he has come to see them. This panel of nine people are the Cell Sword Tribunal. They're an ancient and seemingly everlasting organization that governs mercenaries within New Etica and most of the other megacities. They created the laws surrounding the use of mercenaries in operations both macro and micro. They hold the registrations for all legal working mercs, and they protect their members. When it comes to mercs and those who hire them, the Cellsword Tribunal act as the government, they act as judges, enforcers, and their union. One of these judges speaks up, and their voice echoes through the speakers in this dark room. The tribunal judges your case. You and your syndicate will be required to follow the restrictions we deem necessary. Mr. Castor, you have broken the laws of the Celsor Tribunal, and various clauses of the contract you signed when hiring a mercenary in New Ethica. Due to your actions regarding Clause 13, Section A, you kidnapped Glist, Densa, and held her hostage as a result of a mercenary group breaking into your establishment known as The Knights Club. Said mercenary group were hired to do so by another party. They were successful in their mission within legal parameters. Now you taking action against the mercenary and his family broke the contract you signed with us. You were put on probation and you were not able to open another contract until notified otherwise. Now furthermore, you illegally hired another mercenary registered with us under 985-631-3078, Elaria Elizabeth Gaster. And as we understand your request, and as a parent myself, I could not imagine how you would feel. But we cannot allow anyone to break our goals. Otherwise, New Etica would be as wild as the Wastelands. As the Speaker of the Salsor Tribunal, I regret to officially inform you, Mr. Castor, your request is denied. The man, Alistair Castor, stares forward unmoving. His heart skips a beat as a tear rolls down his face and lands on the matte black table. We see him looking down. We see him looking at a body in a morgue. He's staring at this sterile, white and chrome room. A doctor with blue cybernetic eyes pulls the sheet up slowly to cover the woman. Castor looks down Sighs 
as he rubs his tear away. And he looks down upon her one more time. And it was going to be the last time he was ever going to see her. As he sees her pale skin, her blonde hair, and her one remaining blue eye, he's hit with deja vu. He's hustled through his memories, almost like he's thrown back in time. She looked almost exactly like her mother. The point of her chin, the curve of her eyebrows, and he remembered her ever-present smirk. Now he sees her, and he sees his wife, but 15 years ago, laying on a similar chrome table, riddled with bullet holes. Elizabeth, his wife, died because the rancid tumour they called Darkhaven couldn't control itself. This cesspool of a district had to piss all over everything that was good. And all she wanted to do was help Darkhaven. And what did it do? It repaid her with ballistics. He gave her the means to be out there, helping them. And she died. And once again, he gave Elaria, his daughter, the means to help him execute his plans. And she died taken by those same mercs from Darkhaven. Spigston Denser, Little Moss, and Cortain Dennis. He watches the white sheet cover his only daughter. He stands there in the bright white light, staring at the shape of her head under the cotton. I'm so sorry, Mr. Castor. Shall I have her sent to your estate on the ellipse? The doctor says. Please. Alistair says nothing else. He walks out of the room and out into the hall. A young man sits on some chairs just outside the room. He's wearing a long grey coat, white gloves and clear aviator frame glasses. Behind them, his augmented eyes glow green. Little dots from tears spot his jeans. His hands are palm up and in them rest an advanced arrowhead. He is watching various live feeds in his AR vision. One of the videos shows a dwarf, half-orc and an armoured human climbing into an ultra-die incorporated transport vehicle. Another feed shows the Knights Club. Another one, a small gadget shop called Denser Wares. Another, his code compiling, running rapidly across his vision. As he sees his father walk out into the hall, he stands and says, I'll ruin them. Alistair Castor stands up straighter and yells, No, you will not. You will not make a move against them. They are protected by the fucking tribunal. And now, Ultra die. My father, what they did to Hilaria, I want to make them pay. I fucking said no. Keep working. Do what I asked you to do. Focus on the task. We have a bigger picture to consider now. Yes, Father. The two casters make their way down the hall. Let's go see how Turbo is doing. And now, Cortain, you are out of your armor. You are sitting in this small room, very spartan. There is a sink 
white walls, grey floor, grey roof. There is a mirror, a bed, a little toilet cubicle, a desk with a, like a computer on there, the little fold-up laptop screen that just comes out of the desk. Uh, Spigs, you're sitting at another desk in another room with some gadgets. You're sort of tinkering away. Very similar build in the room. Little Moss, you're also in a similar room. This plain white room. There is a knock at the door. All three of you go to answer the door. And so you see this dwarf and you know him as Ogden Ivanstone. He is your appointed lawyer from the Tribunal of Swords. This Bob, this body, this government that watches over, protects, acts like the judge and jury and the union for mercenaries. Not just in New Etica, but in basically all of the civilized cities. You follow him. He's wearing a black suit, this dark skin black beard with sort of white streaks through it. <clears throat> These are dreadlocks that are tied back with this impressive looking golden band. His dark eyes, you follow him down the hallway <clears throat> and one by one he brings you into this large room. White floors, white ceiling, the walls are this like a frosted mirror. In the center of the room there is a long mirror chrome table with chairs. There are four on each side. So Spigs, you enter the room and Cortain is sitting in his chair in his simple sort of clothes. He's got no weapons, no armor on him. Little Moss is sitting in there too. Ogden Ivanstone brings you in, sits you down and he says, Now, have you read this NDA? And he slides over a tablet. One, two, three. These three gloss black tablets. He taps on the screen and then projecting out of the screen, there's a holographic, uh, basically PDF, this white document with all these words across it. I thought that's what we paid you for. Yeah, I've read it, but you'll have to read it too now. I definitely skimmed it. Here's my suggestion to you boys. And if you've read it, you'd notice. You're gonna be okay if you take the NDA. If you don't take it, to put it lightly, you're fucked. Now boys, so I can help you to the best of my ability, I need you all to tell me what the fuck you were doing breaking into Ultradire Tower. The truth. That's not fair. We didn't break in. What are you talking about? We followed uh, one of the people in, didn't we? Yeah, we were. Yeah, man. We were apprehending a criminal. Yes, but you didn't have any permission to wander into Ultradine Incorporated. I don't think we broke into Ultradine Incorporated. We, we walked in the, the front, front door. door. Exactly. We might have broken out of it. There are terabytes, Cortain Dennis. Terabytes of video 
that shows you slashing and destroying property owned by Ultradying Incorporated. That's breaking in, if you ask me. If you're breaking the floor and you're breaking the walls, and you're blowing up shit inside, that's breaking in. You don't have permission, that's breaking in. I know you believe you're doing the right thing, but I'm here to protect you, so I need to know the truth. You were chasing some people down. I, I hope you don't admit to those things in the court case. Oh no, this is gonna stay between us. Mate, I don't know what terabytes you have, but I literally stopped at reception, spoke to the receptionist, she gave me a card, and then I took an elevator to the top floor. That's true. So we I don't know what you're talking about. We have the I... security key to get up there. That's true. All right, I'll give you that. So these Thank people you. you're chasing, who were they? All their bodies have been destroyed, blown up, nothing left of them. Who were they? The tribunal needs to know. Members of the Edict of Ire. The Edict of Ire. Criminal group down in Darkhaven. Okay. He taps away on a little um, sort of circular device. He's got like a tablet, but it's a sort of, yeah, just a circle. Taps. We don't know much about them. We just know that they're bad news. We've had a few run-ins with them before and they've made lots of threats. So they don't seem like good people. Well, if that's the case, if they keep aiming for you and gunning for you, there won't be a problem. The tribunal will stand in and protect you. Give me, give me one second, boys. I've got a call coming in. He stands up and pushes his chair in. He walks away. He puts his sort of circular tablet away and then pulls out a glass um, communicator. All of this sort of holographic and augmented reality sort of uh, lights and projection displays across the glass. He taps away, places it next to his ear. Yeah. Yep, that's right. I've done talking to my clients. You're ready to come in. Yeah, right now, if you like. He puts the uh, communicator away in his jacket pocket. He's standing there looking towards the door that you guys entered in. And two suits walk in the door an elf and a human man the elf has short parted blonde hair tan skin purple eyes they're wearing this almost black purple suit with this red tie they uh take a seat at the table without saying anything and they the elf just stares across the table at you Cortain. Ogden then takes a seat next to him and the human man, very, very pale. He's got brown hair tied back in a ponytail, cybernetic eyes that are glowing green and these uh, sort of augmented lines down his face glowing that same green. They run down from his head vertically down his eyes to his cheekbones and then cut right across to his ears. The elf says, So I'm told you have read your NDAs. And he arcs his eyebrow, looking at the three of you. And you've had a discussion with your lawyer. Now, it is a lengthy document. He turns his head, looking at Spiggs. And in the case that you haven't seen one of these documents before, I'll make this as concise as I can. You took part in a high-speed chase from M77 Highway to the Ultradye Incorporated Tower in Central District. A battle of sorts took place in our entrance courtyard where you destroyed two mechs, military grade mechs, and some street criminals. 
You all then entered our property without permission and somehow you convinced one of our security officers, Sarah Saunders, to give you a VIP visitor's pass. You, points to um, Cortain, you damaged building security systems, wall and floor structures in various levels, breaking into highly sensitive research laboratory and fighting with an individual called the Banshee, from what we can surmise. You have laid eyes on Specimen F, which, to be frank, is a top secret research program. Now, this Banshee caused damage to the containment chamber holding Specimen F and released it. it, it is this sounding right so far? Anyway, in the events that followed Specimen F destroying various struts causing the structural damage to the top 20 floors, not to mention the death the deaths of some of our most valued scientists who were researching this specimen F. You then turned Ultradi property into an arena and murdered the Banshee. The top section of our building collapsed and specimen F was exposed to the public as it fell to its death. After the extensive rescue operation and a few, well, a few weeks of containment, we are here. Let's say you have caused a lot of trouble for us here at Ultradi, and even more for yourselves. All for this. And he lifts up a, uh, a briefcase. You didn't really see him carrying it in, but he lifts it up. He puts it on the table, pops it open. A briefcase housing some old keys. Now, Miss Saunders did tell the New Etika Police Department and the Ultradi Tactical Force that you were Mercs working a job for us. And now this little white lie made by Miss Saunders gives us the ability to back up this agreement as he taps on the tablets, the three tablets sitting there in front of you. Now this is where we will talk about our agreement. Unfortunately for you, we take control of this narrative. We control what happens from here out. Are you, are you saying you're gonna railroad us out of our work? Yes. We will railroad you in such a way. But we do acknowledge your ability. You did stop this Banshee character from doing whatever she was up to. And we saw a way of salvaging this disaster. And it's all in that NDA which you'll be able to take from this room for a day where you will return it, signed or not. And it will be filed away. You can access it whenever you want with Mr. Ivanstone present. Now, uh, Mr. Vander here. Yes, sorry. Oh, sorry. Spigston. Uh, I did, I did pick up one error. I think there's, you missed a decimal place here. It's like, it's gone the wrong direction. That is should the be date, less. my good sir. The date. No, no, no. The, the money for paying us while we're off, not able to do work. We have been paying your bills, just enough for you and your families to get by, but Ultradi does not see any value in paying you any more than you are worth at the moment no for... no no not more than what we're worth i'm just saying you, like i'm happy to accept this nda but it says 
Like, this is, like, enormous fortune. Like, surely this decimal place here is positioned incorrectly. I... Shut up. All right, I'll, I'll sign it. I mean, it does say... It, should, it does say three million credits, but, you know, usually... My, the time we have off, I'm only getting 300,000 well, credits. To be fair, I suppose that maybe the common tongue isn't your strongest suit? For nowhere in this NDA does it say 3 million credits. Some of the damage that you caused um, in the hallways can be estimated to be maybe $300,000 worth of damage. Per meter, you didn't even um, you didn't even find the number threes yet. No, it, uh, it wasn't in there. Anyway, Mister Vander here, as the elf motions towards the human man sitting there in his white suit, will discuss how we propose the way in which we will clean up this mess. The elf closes the briefcase, locks it, leaves it there on the table. I reach out and grab it. The elf puts his hand on there. Uh, listen to Mr. Vander first, and then you may have your keys back. Uh, hurry up. After you deal with these NDAs, you will be able to move freely without Ultradai watching over you. Okay? So just listen to my partner here, and we can get on with things. Okay, guys. So I'm from public relations and marketing. And now we have formed a story, a narrative, to explain all of this fucking shit. As Mr. Chu says, Miss Saunders has introduced the idea that you are working for us. Undercover security force. We were using you to stop an attack on our building. We were tipped off by some random that some sort of terrorist group, possibly the Ugaras or some other extremists, we're uh, gonna be heading our way. And you, the three of you, performed above and beyond when the terrorists unleashed some sort of biological agent which mutated the genetic structure of those nearby the blast. You defeated the terrorists. <laughs> you fought the monstrosity, this huge mutant, and you, my boys, you saved lives. And we'll prop you up for these facts. We will be placing you in the public eye. You will be heroes. You will have a continual contract with us. Now, you won't be able to take up any external contracts for a while, but if you prove that you're capable of following the agreement, this agreement, then we might be open to allowing your contract to free you up so you can pick up some other jobs. Now, like my associate here said, your families will and have been taken care of for the last couple of weeks. Both I don't have a family. This is a rip-off. Rip-off. Well, too bad for you. Your bills are being paid. Well, you haven't had to pay for a family for years. And look, I think it's above heroes for you to be complaining about not having a family. Now, Ultra Die and the Salsor Tribunal will protect you and your friends, family from hmm. the parties which you uh, and this conflict have sort of arisen 
Now, you can't take any action against this party as it will breach the agreement that they have been forced to sign with the Salsor Tribunal. I've just got information before from the Tribunal just moments ago that they have met with this Edict of Ire and they've been forced to sign some documents if they wish to continue taking up residence in this city. Now, this agreement states you cannot disclose any of the truths to anybody outside of these walls. If you do, there will be consequences. Big consequences. Big motherfucking consequences. I have a question. Go ahead, shoot. What, uh, what truths are those? The who what? What truths are those? The truth that the, the creature that you fought was of our creation and that the people weren't not terrorists that you were not in fact hired by ultra die before stepping onto our premises all of that stuff needs to be keep kept sorry kept a secret do you get me nope but i'm sure i'll figure it out mate if i can figure it out <laughs> you can figure it out we just don't tell them what actually happened and we sell them this bullshit Oh, I thought I thought what they said was the truth. Oh, okay, I get it. Mr. Vandar turns towards Cortain, and he says, "Mr. Dennis, I need you to try and get into your thick-headed friend's brain there that there will be consequences. I wasn't just saying it before to be funny. Now we're not threatening you. We just need to make it clear what might happen if you betray us." And if you breach the goddamn agreement. Spigs, if you break this agreement, they're going to take your shop away from you. My shop! Ultradai is more powerful enough to do more than take your shop away. You're going to take more than my shop away? We'll make sure you won't do any business in this city ever again. You and your whole family. So you can listen to me here, Mr. Denser. You just stay on retainer. You do what we ask. You take some time off over the next couple months. Spend time with your family. Go out to the TV stations, go out to the radio, the the podcasts, the movies, whatever you want to do. You keep the secrets. You spit out these lies we'll be given the people. You may even uh, be sent on some merc jobs if we find it relevant. And now, even if you cease doing mercenary work, this contract is binding. Any other individuals who join your crew will have to come and sign this agreement until it's run its course. Any questions, my boys? How long? How long is this course? We have given you a probation of one year, and that's generous. But with the type of damage and destruction that y'all have presented in Ultradire Incorporated Tower, we can't risk being tied to you if we do not want to be tied to you. We do not do business in slaves. So we sign you for one year. We may let you out earlier. You just have to follow the agreement and don't break the damn rules. Right, sir, I, have, I have one more sir. question. Oh, you go, boss. Yes? So, do I have to do no other paid employment or just no mercenary work? It depends what it's for. If it's legit work... Um, yeah, legit. What is it? Well, I, um... I do some some low-level security work at some bars and, and some clubs. Just standing at the front, flexing my muscles, it's a nice way to meet people. 
and uh, you know I don't want to I, I just you know I just want to live by the agreement but at the same time like I, I get bored doing nothing you can continue working those jobs as long as it doesn't as long as it doesn't hinder or put a bad mark on what we're presenting to the people heroes I don't want you busting up no underage kids or I don't want you beating the shit out of anybody that walks your way I want you to play the role of a hero over the next few months alright so I have to pretend sure pretend yep okay. cool alright now if you agree to sign this place your hand on the tablet before I do that one more question what go ahead what 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 happens if we're all celebrating in like a bar or back at the shop or out in the public and you know we're celebrating pretty hard a lot of alcohol you know some memory loss and some inability to keep things under control and we start blurting out the wrong things what happens consequences mr denser do you not understand what i said to you before big big consequences all right like surely don't you have a way of just like full-on erasing that part of my memory what our research and development teams do about memory and what you might have heard on the interweb may not be true I wouldn't listen to such rumors sir like all you have to do is like whack me right here and on my head I probably forget Dawson Spiggs I'll whack you on the head there right now Mr. Spiggs yeah. Mr. Spiggs Denser if we didn't want you to talk at all you wouldn't exist anymore that's just the truth of it Ooh, snap look I'm just I'm just I'm just playing out the scenarios I just need to know what I'm getting involved in you're playing a part for now I appreciate that we need to play a part and that you need to cover your own asses but you need to make sure that I am not put in a position where I have to lie because I'll cover for you I will not tell the truth the full truth but I will not lie about what we were doing there. Oh man, come on. Don't tell him that just before we sign the contract. The whole agreement is a lie. You're about to be sent. Your first booking that I have made you is for the Ray Shades show, the late night show. Heard of it. You will be walking on set there and he will ask you questions and such. You must lie, my friend. Surely you have control about what questions they can ask? Oh, certainly we do. I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that I won't say that we are employed by you, that we didn't hunt down a dangerous criminal that entered into your establishment, that we didn't fight a monster that was unleashed because of her. All of that's true. I just want you to spin that better than me having to lie. Very well, we'll get to it. He stands up. He nods to you. You have one day to accept this NDA, otherwise you go back into those rooms and I don't know when you will walk out of them. I slap my hand on the tablet and I sign it immediately. Bling! Makes this little chime noise. I've already went through it, I sign it. Bling! Mr. Chu collects both of your uh, tablets and stands up. Looks down his nose at you, Spigs. What say you? Spigs picks up the tablet and he's like looking and he's like scrolling through reading it all again. Oh my gosh. 
after about 10 minutes of reading, you get to the end. Oh, I thought it was super long. Uh, he reads it through, he thinks for a bit, and then he puts his thumbprint on. Bling! Chimes. Mr. Chu takes the tablet from you, walks towards the door. It opens, he leaves. Mr. Vander follows him, turns around, and he says, I'll be seeing you boys soon. Leaves the room, and Mr. Ivanstone, Ogden Ivanstone, your appointed representative and lawyer, walks in closer to you guys and says alright boys it won't be long and we'll get you out of this place just uh follow me back to your rooms and we'll have you out in no time good job in here good job walks towards the door motioning for you all to exit dark room with a small stage and a huge screen showing the landscape of New Etica. We see buildings and lights and like glossy black pyramids with beams firing out of the top of them. These huge overpass highways and these multi-level struts which are these buildings with more buildings coming out of these big plates that surround them and you guys can just see the tops of the dark haven buildings reaching up against these these plates that are uh, poking out of the higher parts of the city and in the middle across the uh, across the vision of New Etica his cursive writing flicks onto the screen saying the light the late night show Ray shades the camera shifts to a goblin with a grey suit on he has parted white hair black rimmed glasses so I've been wondering why our city is called New Etica it's been around for like over 2,000 years! Has never been called Old Etika, or just Etika. When did we become new Etika? Anyway, let's get the show started. Here it is, over to my host, Ray Shades! And the, the jazz band plays and everyone claps, and the camera cuts to the uh, the table, this sort of this uh, light brown table. There is a, a half-elf there, sitting, his feet up on the table, reclined in this purple suit, these are uh, this graying black hair slicked back. He's got some um, some big black glasses on. Thank you, thank you. No, seriously, thank you. Our first guest tonight saved a whole lot of people only a few weeks ago. They put a stopper in a terrorist attack, which included two battle mechs and some big biologically engineered mutant thing. Oh, and they also survived the partial collapse of Ultradyne Incorporated Tower. We welcome our first guest, and then you hear a drum, drum roll. Cortain! <sighs> yeah, the crowd starts clapping and cheering. You walk out on stage, Cortain. What's your demeanor right now as you're walking out on the stage? I'm wearing a sweet suit. I just walk out. Just give them a just a bit of a wave, you know, just kind of the stiff the stiff upper arm, but just a little bit a little bit with the hand. And then I just kind of straighten up my my suit and then walk out very um, composed. You're right. Uh, he gestures towards the uh, the large sort of curved grey couch there. Spigs! He shouts out again. 
and uh, Spigs, you walk out on stage. Spigs is kind of like blinded and he's like holding up his hand. He's also wearing a like a gray suit, but he's also wearing like a bowler hat over the top <laughs> of his hair. Um, and he kind of like stumbles a bit and is like a little bit lost and like looking around trying to peek at the audience, but it's too much lights. All right, you go and you sit down on the couch and then Ray Shades yells out once again, and our final of these three mercenaries, Little Moss. And everyone claps and cheers. So like Little Moss like bursts out onto stage at a run with like both hands in the air blowing kisses at the, at the audience. Cool is rolling across in a banner-like fashion um, on his shades, which he's still wearing even though it's nighttime. Um, and he's wearing uh, everything as per normal, so like black, black uh, cargo pants, black tur- black turtleneck, but the red sports jacket has been replaced with like a red suit jacket. Oh, nice, 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 yeah. Nice glasses, man. I like them. Thanks, Ray Shades. That means a lot coming from you. You can call me Ray. Don't worry about the shades part. That's, uh, that, you know, you're, we're friends now. Just call me Ray. Oh. So that's not actually descriptive, like you don't wear shades, it's just your second name. Well, I have glasses on, so yeah. Cool. Anyway, how have y'all been this last few weeks? Been getting caught in the rush of fame, I see. How's that How's that doing for you boys, you Darkhaven boys? Pretty overwhelming. Yeah, I can, I can see it. You guys look pretty stunned. Don't worry about them, as he points towards the crowd and they all laugh and clap. Just, just think of it as just, uh, just the four of us in here. Now, I know oh, there'll be things I, you can't. Can I unbutton my pants? Sorry, what? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my, my shop's never been be- busier. Your shop, huh? Yeah, I had to start selling out just signatures. This gets so annoying. I just want to build things, like seriously. Well, that's, uh, that's what happens when you're famous, Spigs. Get used to it, my friend. Get used to it. All right, now I know you guys, there are some things you won't be able to talk about due to your Merc contracts and such, but Cortain, witnesses at the scene said you took down a spider tank all by yourself now. That's a feat. That's a feat, my friend. And the only thing I can take down myself is a foot-long sandwich, like a sandwich from our sponsors, Megabyte Subs. Megabyte Subs are delicious, as he looks towards the camera. What is it like being American, undertaking dangerous missions like that? Well, it's exciting. It's thrilling. Always a new danger, always a new challenge. Always concerned about your life being on the line. But I guess, you know, you being out here on this show, Every day you're you're under fire from critics. I guess you know what it's like. Nowhere near as dangerous, my friend. Nowhere near as dangerous. Taking on the spider tank was, you know, was difficult. It was some high tech, high tech, uh, like military grade bots. So, not sure I've fought its like before, but. With my with my family sword, I was able to destroy that creature. Your family sword, huh? So has that been passed down from the you know mother to son, father to son, father to grandfather to father? What what's what's the deal with that sword, my my man? 
being passed down from father to son for generations. Wow. Must be an impressive weapon. It is. One day we'll like to... Maybe I'll I'll uh, bring up one of my one of my favorite long swords and get you to sign it for me. How about that, Cortain? I oh, will. Only if you only if you sign my shades. Oh, you brought some shades? Yeah, I brought some shades from my. I'll sign them. Jacket pocket. And the the the, the crowd is chanting, "Sign them, sign them." He pulls out this little marker, and on the side, uh, where you know the sort of side strut, he he signs Ray shades, and he passes them back to you. Anytime. Nice. All right, Spigs. Now you said you have a shop. You make gadgets and sh- and uh, and stuff like that. You look like you're good at tinkering, since I can see your uh, goggles there on top of your nice new bowl hat. You know, sir, mate. Looks like you're always tinkering away. Uh, why get into merc work? Well, you know, the shop wasn't as popular as it is today. And I had a whole family to look after, so I needed, you know, Darkhaven's not the the greatest of places, and I needed to, you know, support my family. So that's why I joined the Merc business. Yeah, yeah, right. You couldn't even protect your own shop. I had to come in and protect you from some unruly youths, and then you paid me back by joining me on a mission as a favor. So... You know, really, you really left that part out, didn't you? That's all in the past. No, no, no one, no one cares about that. <laughs> well, 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 boys, boys, boys. No, no fighting, no fighting. All right, just let's keep it civilized in here. I know that you're a bunch of hothead mercs ready to go out in the job and save the city once again. Uh, but let's keep it civilized in here. No throwing shade. And he winks at you guys. <laughs> it's it's all right. I'll probably beat Little Moss in arm wrestle anyway. Ooh. In a, you know what? We'll put that to a test. Uh, in, a, in a couple minutes' time, I'll get you both to do a, some sort of arm wrestle test. That'd be great for the show. Now, before we get there, Little Moss. It's a bit of a strange name. Is it a stage name or is your first name Little and your surname Moss? My name's Moss. I don't know where this little came from. Oh, well, that's just what everyone's been told. Your name's Little Moss. Huh. Well, there has been an egregious error, sir. So you would like to be just called Moss? Just Moss. Yeah, that's fine. It's shorter, too. Like, it saves you some syllables, saves you some breath. Everybody wins. Yeah, I know. There's a nice ring about Little Moss, though. Little Moss. Fine. It's also quite descriptive. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Little Moss... Oh, Moss. When you first saw that... Big ass mutant thing. What was going through your head? Um, I mean, I don't know about you, uh, Ray, um, but have you ever stared death itself in the face? I have certainly not done that. You don't, in that moment, you don't really think. You just do. And I did what I had to do to save the day and to protect the city. That's what I'm about. So. Yeah, I just, I just, it was animalistic, you know, like, there was just so much brute force and strength emanating from me, even I was surprised, and, um, you know, you could say that I, I basically took it on myself while the other two watched. That's a filthy lie. (laughs) I mean, I think I saw you hiding somewhere in the back misfiring your silly little tinker gun but yeah like like i said you know 
you just you don't think look, you act and, look, and that's what let's, i did let's, let's get this on and then speaks like jumps up and he like throws off his jacket jacket's shirt there are some snickers from the females in the audience <laughs> oh they got chocolates for him <laughs> yeah, they throw snickers at you because <laughs> they know you're gonna need some help yeah you need to bulk up <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the show. Now, uh, just taking a little pause right now to let you guys know that we have a merchandise store and it's not just podcast related gear. If you do want, you know, t-shirt with our logo and all that sort of stuff on there, it's on there, but there are some other bits of merchandise on there. We've got t-shirts with, um, you know, some D&D, some sort of other RPG related stuff, some cyberpunk stuff as well, some 80s sort of retro stuff so if you have any inclination to jump on there and have a look and maybe purchase something that'd be awesome uh, don't feel you need to but it'll just really help support the show we need to pay for um hosting and all that sort of crap which we're happy to do but if we can sort of get some help with that then that's even better the store is australia based at the moment we're looking at some us and some european sites to use as well at the moment to sort of um make it accessible to everyone so if you think you would like that feel free to shout out to me on uh, beyond the dice instagram facebook or even comment on youtube if you use that um but anyway let's stop with this stuff and get back to the action or to the show don't want to copy anyone let's get back to the show see this dingy change room. Old green dented lockers, scratches, marks, stickers and graffiti line the walls. A worn steel bench runs down the center of the room. An old square television flickering with static is hanging off the wall on an odd angle. Three working tube lights are all that are lighting this room. Flickering, humming, a large shadowed figure winds a dirty blood-spotted bandage around his hands. He clenches his fists, knuckles cracking echoes through the room. He turns his head to the side, it cracks. He turns it to the other side, it cracks. Stretching his muscular back, a halfling wearing a white suit walks into the room. His reflective silver shades show the entire room you've got three minutes till you go on you piece of shit the halfling pushes up his sleeves taps a screen embedded in his cybernetic arm and does a flick motion the old screen above the lockers flicks onto life a big red digital countdown reading zero two minutes 98 seconds starts to count down the halfling walks out of the shadowed hallway. We then see an octagon arena, surrounded by wire fence, steel beams that reach up three levels. Each level is lit with red light. The arena is dark. There is this very, very dull red hue. A rowdy, low-life crowd yells and chants on the lowest level. There's barely any room for them to move. They struggle to drink their alcohol. 
Some of them let free these huge plumes of acrid vapor and smoke from various drugs. Amongst them we see orcs, half-elves, humans, goblins, dwarves. They're all ignoring the arena for now. The second level isn't as crowded. The people here seem to be dressed in more crisp, cleaner clothes. Those individuals on the top are dressed in the finest clothes New Etika has to offer. The highest tier of cybernetics can be seen amongst this crowd. They're all... They're adorned with all manner of high-fashion, high-tech devices. Some of the city's elite are amongst the crowd. This venue, unregulated by the megacorps, is basically illegal, but is known to be one of the most bloody, visceral, and deadly, deadly places to watch people fight one another. Some droids are slightly visible on the stage, scrubbing the previous fight's remnants from the floor. They sweep the large pieces of biomatter into a container and use a steam gun to lift the, to lift the last bits of bloody grime. The droids exit through some stairs leading down. A panel closes over the top of them, where the droids supposedly dispose of the fighters, or what remains of them. The arena lights up. Some blue triangular pads randomly situated around the ring now glow. Hover platforms at each of the levels begin moving in a clockwise motion, emitting purple light. Two white beams shine down from two orb, orb droids, and the two steel hatches slide away on opposite sides of the ring. A voice echoes through the arena. Welcome to Death Cage! We have a couple of interesting fights tonight. Our last fight this evening is going to be fantastic. We have the Commando, an ex-NEPD Tactical Force Marine, with a powerful set of cybernetic limbs and, a, and 25 years of experience fighting the scum and villainy of Darkhaven. And the crowd begins to roar. The lower levels boo and shout curses, and the upper levels and the mid-level cheers. We cut back to a dark hallway. Low red lights show just the left side of this figure, the large man, listening to his opponent's introduction. A shorter man, or rather a regular sized one, steps out from the shadows with an e-sig. It flashes white and lets out a neon white trail of smoke. Pointed ears can be seen as the e-sig sheds some of the dim light. Oi, Janka! What's your answer to our proposal? We've given you enough fucking time to decide, mate. The large figure turns to the elf, and he knows him. It's that damn Gasuto again. He offered quite a large sum to you if you throw the fight. What's your price again? 20,000, mate. If you throw it, 20,000 credits, mate. How long do you want the fight to go for? The boss will be pleased if you throw it in the third round. But look, if you put in a fourth for us, it's just, just as good. We just need it in the third or after. And we need you to put on a good show like usual, mate. Alright? I'll get to the fourth round easy. And I'll throw it. I need that cash. Well, it's done, my friend. You throw that match. Bloody the commando up a bit. Show off your skills. No worries about that. Done. Easy. The echoes of the voice in the arena come through on shoddy old speakers in the hallway. And Commando's opponent 
The savage raider from the wastelands, a hulking monster full of rage and fury, the Junker! Blue white light floods into the red hall that you're in as the steel hatch above opens and stairs flick up. Go and do it. And now you see this gangster, an elf, dyed white, spiked hair, black glass eye implants, a ghostly dragon tattoo marks his face, wrapping around the back of his head. He's dressed in a black suit, both sleeves removed to expose sleek cybernetic arms, combat grade adorned with a traditional elven tattoos. And you hear him walk away from you. Just do it. Third or fourth. Plenty of creds, man. As he disappears down the hallway. And you hear the chanting. The chanting of the patrons on the lower level. Junker! 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 You climb the stairs into the arena. Where one of those orb droids sheds you in bright white light. Do you want to describe your character? So at this stage... Lokag is in one of his personas. He is the Junker, but he is an eight foot tall Goliath. He's gray skinned, got those weird Goliath things around his head, two of them on the front of his forehead, really looking like horns. He's absolutely covered in tattoos. He's bare chested, and at this stage, he's got a sprayed on Neo security, like a high vis vest. No shirt, but he's sprayed himself. He's got dodgy worn out jeans and on his back is very noticeable an augment it's between his two shoulder blades it's looks like it's half grafted to his back and connected to that is four bottles that are filled with a fluoro green liquid every now and again bubbles will go through these bottles and as the bubbles go through Pulses will go through the tat the tribal tattoos across his body. He picks up a, a shield that's made out of a repurposed armored car door. So it's just a it's a car door. And then he picks up a warhammer that looks like he's ripped it out of the ground, just a post with a concrete base still on. Shrugs his shoulders, smiles a bit, and then looks towards his opponent. You see this guy wearing um like urban grey and black camo pants. He's wearing a black um, vest. There's dog tags. He's got cybernetic silver arms. He's got one of those like flat top cuts. Um, he's got like cybernetic blue eyes and he like smashes his fists together and they like the, the cybernetics expand and glow the same blue as his eyes. And he's like, let's do this as he charges towards you. What do you do? I'll stand my ground. He punches you in the stomach, punches you up into the chin, and we then look into the crowd and we see another huge figure, Dune, standing there amongst all of the Dark Avians. He's in with he's in there with his white shirt, his wool vest, brown slacks. He has a like a fake mustache on and a, what looks like a toupee trying to look kind of inconspicuous. He's wearing some dark glasses and he's watching Lokag fight. He's watching him take blows. He's watching him 
throw them back. Lowers his head in shame, almost, it looks like. And Lokag, during the fight, you look over and you see this tall figure that looks kind of familiar. And then you get punched in the face and then you fall to the ground and you look over again and the figure is gone. After three rounds, the commando is standing there, one arm torn from his body, the wires and cybernetic parts sort of just hanging there, big gashes and cuts across his body and face, his, his uh, singlet completely ripped off, standing over you. Roll a, um, roll a deception or a performance check for me. Will be performance. 19. All right. So you do that thing where like people flip up from laying on their back to their feet. You don't have your shield or your um, your warhammer anymore. The commando pulls back this huge punch. What does it look like when you throw this bout, if you throw the bout? So as I've flipped up, I have looked worse for wear. I haven't done it as quickly as and as energetic as I was in the previous rounds. And as he's throwing the punch, I go to take a step to dodge it, but I stumble and misstep and throw my head straight into the punch. When you throw your head into the punch, his fist collides with your with your like nose bridge and your forehead, and the hand, the cybernetic hand, actually compacts in and collapses, and he's left with no hand, just the stub. You fall back onto the ground, bleeding profusely. He's stunned, holding his cybernetic arm with with um, just against his chest, I guess, because his other arm is missing, standing there, heaving, he's wavering on his feet, looking down on you. It hurt you. It definitely hurt you. But you've still got some to give. But not for 20,000 creds. No way. You keep your eyes closed. And our winner tonight is... Commando! You're back in that change room. Taking off your wraps. Your knuckles are a little bloodied. You put the wrap against your forehead. Blood trickling down your nose. You look up at the old television and it's sort of flickering and stuff and you see this, this show, the Tonight Show with Ray Shades. And you see these three people supposedly heroes or some shit they saved dark haven or some crap like that even though the big fight that they fought was uh in central district and you look up at them and you see this you know pretty tall muscular human this huge half orc almost as big as you but not as big as you and um this dwarf and they're talking to ray shades and laughing and getting angry with each other and stuff then you look down at the rag in your hand blood Sort of covering the entire thing and that half elf walks in here you go mate drops a huge sort of gym bag next to you 20,000 creds like I said catch around cheers mate have a good one Junker pleasure doing business with you see you next time and that is where we'll leave it awesome okay cool yes
Welcome back everyone to season three of Beyond the Dice! 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 Woo! Yeah, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for downloading the show. Thank you for sharing it with a friend. If you think that one of your friends or a family member or just even some random you see in the street might like our show, Beyond the Dice, tell them, hey, listen to this show and uh, invite them to this and then we can all be a part of this cool cult. I mean, I mean, podcast. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we've got, we've got, you know, the new season coming through. Uh, we might be doing some other things rather like, you know, as well as the normal podcast. We'll see how that goes. We won't say anything too much. Hey, Ben, just, you know, just wink, wink, nudge, 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 nudge. Um, yeah. And I guess... I'm not sure exactly when this will be released, but in uh, two weeks' time, another one will be released. So keep your ears and eyes and mouths open for that. Maybe not your mouth open. That's probably weird. Yeah. Very dry by the time you were done. Yeah, two weeks of open mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a soul. I've got a character. It's great to be back in the podcast, guys. Um, If you'd like to check out our old episodes, find out what the recap had but more details check out our website at www.beyondthedice.com and if there check out our shop as well buy yourself some neat paraphernalia we also are socialites we love our instagramming (laughs) and our jamming we take lots of pictures like ben's got some amazing like painted minis up there we do lots of lots of plays to play some games and board games i might even get some minis up there after this weekend because ben hasn't seen them they're pretty sweet, and no spoilers, but they may be on our Instagram, at beyondthedice. Nice, can't wait to see those on the weekend. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, Beyond the Dice. Check that out for all the latest news, what's coming out soon, and there's also some pretty cool, you know, pictures up there, memes, other videos. Just go check it out. Do review, five stars, would recommend, change my life. These are all things you should include in a review of us and this podcast. It will help us reach more people and grow our listener base. I said no robots, Trav. I said no robots. <laughs> Damn it. He tried to I emote, was, I, Luke. He tried to emote. Review! I lasted the entire episode without robot voice, all right? Just give me a little bit. It was literally my sign-off. All right, guys. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us on the show. Um, it's great to have everyone here and everyone's in back into their characters. And um, heck yeah. Like, it's 2020. That's basically a cyberpunk future. <laughs> I don't have my phone in my arm yet, but, you know, I can always try. I've got a couple of knives in the kitchen that might help with that. All right, guys. It's taken us so long to get back on trend that we're now... On trend. Yeah. We, <laughs> mm. we took so long to come back, we are basically in the future. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, this is just my life. This is real. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, see ya. Bye. Bye. Good, Bye. Good day. See ya.